Star Wars, from the adventures of Luke Skywalker, a novel by George Lucas. Prologue. Another galaxy, another time. The Old Republic was the Republic of Legend, greater than distance or time. No need to note where it was or when it came, only to note that it was the Republic. Once under the wise rule of the Senate and the protection of the Jedi Knights, the Republic throve and grew. But as often happens when wealth and power pass beyond the admirable and attain the awesome, then appear those evil ones who have greed to match. So it was with the Republic at its height. Like the greatest of trees, able to withstand any external attack, the Republic rotted from within though the danger was not visible from outside. Aided and abetted by restless, power-hungry individuals within the government and the massive organs of commerce, the ambitious Senator Palpatine caused himself to be elected president of the Republic. He promised to reunite the disaffected among the people and to restore the remembered glory of the Republic. Once secure in office, he declared himself emperor shutting himself away from the populace. Soon, he was controlled by the very assistants and bootlickers he had appointed to high office, and the cries of the people for justice did not reach his ears. Having exterminated through treachery and deception the Jedi Knights, guardians of justice in the galaxy, the Imperial governors and bureaucrats prepared to institute a reign of terror among the disheartened worlds of the galaxy. Many used the imperial forces and the name of the increasingly isolated emperor to further their own personal ambitions. But a small number of systems rebelled at these new outrages. Declaring themselves opposed to the new order, they began the great battle to restore the old republic. From the beginning, they were vastly outnumbered by the systems held in thrall by the emperor. In those dark days, it seemed certain the bright flame of resistance would be extinguished before it could cast the light of new truth across the galaxy of oppressed and beaten peoples. From the First Saga Journal of the Wills They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Naturally, they became heroes. Leia Organa of Alderaan Senator 1. It was a vast, shining globe, and it cast a light of lambent topaz into space. But it was not a sun. Thus the lambent had fooled men for a long time. Not until entering close orbit around it did its discoverers realize that this was a world in a binary system, and not a third sun itself. At first it seemed certain nothing could exist on such a planet, least of all humans. Yet both massive G1 and G2 stars orbited a common center with peculiar regularity, and Tatooine circled them far enough out to permit the development of a rather stable, if exquisitely hot, climate. Mostly this was a dry desert of a world whose unusual star-like yellow glow was the result of double sunlight striking sodium-rich sands and flats. The same sunlight suddenly shone on the thin skin of a metallic shape falling crazily toward the atmosphere. The erratic course the galactic cruiser was traveling was intentional. 
not the product of injury, but of a desperate desire to avoid it. Long streaks of immense energy slid close past its hull, a multi-hued storm of destruction like a school of rainbow remoras fighting to attach themselves to a larger, unwilling host. One of those probing, questing beams succeeded in touching the fleeing ship, striking its principal solar fin. Gem-like fragments of metal and plastic erupted into space as the end of the fin disintegrated. The vessel seemed to shudder. The source of those multiple energy beams suddenly hove into view. A lumbering imperial cruiser, its massive outline bristling cactus-like with dozens of heavy weapons emplacements. Light ceased arching from those spines now as the cruiser moved in close. Intermittent explosions and flashes of light could be seen in those portions of the smaller ship which had taken hits. In the absolute cold of space, the cruiser snuggled up alongside its wounded prey. Another distant explosion shook the ship, but it certainly didn't feel distant to R2-D2 and C-3PO. The concussion bounced them around the narrow corridor like bearings in an old motor. To look at these two, one would have supposed that the tall, human-like machine, 3PO, was the master, and the stubby, tripodal robot, R2-D2, an inferior. But while 3PO might have sniffed disdainfully at the suggestion, they were in fact equal in everything save loquicity. Here, 3PO was clearly, and necessarily, the superior. Still another explosion rattled the corridor, throwing 3PO off balance. His shorter companion had the better of it during such moments with his squat, cylindrical body's low center of gravity, well-balanced on thick, clawed legs. R2 glanced up at 3PO, who was steadying himself against a corridor wall. Lights blinked enigmatically around a single mechanical eye, as the smaller robot studied the battered casing of his friend. A patina of metal and fibrous dust coated the usually gleaming bronze finish, and there was some visible dents, all the result of the pounding the rebel ship they were on had been taking. Accompanying the last attack was a persistent deep hum, which even the loudest explosion had not been able to drown out. Then, for no apparent reason, the basso thrumming abruptly ceased, and the only sounds in the otherwise deserted corridor came from the eerie, dry twig crackle of shorting relays or the pops of dying circuitry. Explosions began to echo through the ship once more, but they were far away from the corridor. Threepio turned his smooth, human-like head to one side, metallic ears listening intently, the imitation of a human pose was hardly necessary. 3PO's auditory sensors were fully omnidirectional, but the slim robot had been programmed to blend perfectly among human company. This programming extended even to mimicry of human gestures. Did you hear that? He inquired rhetorically of his patient companion, referring to the throbbing sound. They've shut down the main reactor and the drive. His voice was full of disbelief and concern, as that of any human. One metallic palm rubbed dolefully at the patch of dull gray on his side, where a broken hole brace had fallen and scored the bronze finish. 
Threepio was a fastidious machine, and such things troubled him. Madness! This is madness! He shook his head slowly. This time we'll be destroyed for sure. R2 did not comment immediately. Barrel torso tilted backward, powerful legs gripping the deck. The meter-high robot was engrossed in studying the roof overhead. Though he did not have a head to cock, in a listening posture like his friend, R2 still somehow managed to convey that impression. A series of short beeps and chirps issued from his speaker. To even a sensitive human ear, they would have been just so much static. But to 3PO, they formed words as clear and pure as direct current. Yes, I suppose they did shut down the drive. Yes, I suppose they did have to shut the drive down, 3PO admitted. But what are we going to do now? We can't enter atmosphere with our main stabilizer fin destroyed. I can't believe we're simply going to surrender. A small band of armed humans suddenly appeared, rifles held at the ready. Their expressions were as worry-wrinkled as their uniforms, and they carried about them the aura of men prepared to die. Threepio watched silently until they had vanished around a far bend in the passageway, then looked back at R2. The smaller robot hadn't shifted from his position of listening. Threepio's gaze turned upward also, though he knew R2's senses were slightly sharper than his own. What is it, R2? A short burst of beeping came in response. Another moment, and there was no need for highly attuned sensors. For a minute or two more, the corridor remained deathly silent. Then a faint scrape, scrape could be heard, like a cat at a door from somewhere above. The strange noise was produced by heavy footsteps and the movement of bulky equipment somewhere on the ship's hull. When several muffled explosions sounded, Threepio murmured, They've broken in somewhere above us. There's no escape for the captain this time. Turning, he peered down at R2. I think we'd better... The shriek of overstressed metal filled the air before he could finish, and the far end of the passageway was lit by a blinding, actinic flash. Somewhere down there, the little cluster of armed crew who had passed by minutes before had encountered the ship's attackers. Threepio turned his face and delicate photoreceptors away, just in time to avoid the fragments of metal that flew down the corridor. At the far end, a gaping hole appeared in the roof, and reflective forms like big metal beads began dropping to the corridor floor. Both robots knew that no machine could match the fluidity with which those shapes moved and instantly assumed fighting postures. The new arrivals were humans in armor, not mechanicals. One of them looked straight at Threepio. No, not at him, the panicked robot thought frantically, but past him. The figure shifted its big rifle around and armored hands. Too late. A beam of intense light struck the head, sending pieces of armor, bone, and flesh flying in all directions. Half the invading Imperial troops turned and began returning fire up the corridor, aiming past the two robots. Quick! This way! 3PO ordered, intending to retreat from the Imperials. R2 turned with him, 
They had taken only a couple of steps when they saw the rebel crewmen in position ahead, firing down the corridor. In seconds, the passageway was filled with smoke and crisscrossing beams of energy. Red, green, and blue bolts ricocheted off the polished sections of wall and floor or ripped long gashes in metal surfaces. Screams of injured and dying humans, a peculiarly unrobotic sound, 3PO thought, echoed piercingly above the inorganic destruction. One beam struck near the robot's feet at the same time as a second one burst the wall directly behind him, exposing sparking circuitry and rows of conduits. The force of the twin blast tumbled 3PO into the shredded cables, where a dozen different currents turned him into a jerking, twisting display. Strange sensations coursed through his metal nerve ends. They caused no pain, only confusion. Every time he moved and tried to free himself, there was another violent crackling as a flesh cluster of componentry broke. The noise of man-made lightning remained constant around him as the battle continued to rage. Smoke began to fill the corridor. R2 bustled about trying to help free his friend. The little robot evidenced a phlegmatic indifference to the ravening energies filling the passageway. He was built so low that most of the beams passed over him anyway. Help! 3PO yelled, suddenly frightened at a new message from an internal sensor. I think something is melting. Free my left leg. The trouble's near the pelvic servo motor. Typically, his tone turned abruptly from pleading to berating. This is all your fault, he shouted angrily. I should have known better than to trust the logic of a half-sized thermocapsulary dehousing assister. I don't know why you insisted we leave our assigned stations to come down this stupid access corridor. Not that it matters now. The whole ship must be... R2-D2 cut him off in mid-speech with some angry beepings and hoots of his own. Though he continued to cut and pull with precision at the tangled high-voltage cables... Is that so? 3PO sneered in reply. The same to you, you little. An exceptionally violent explosion shook the passage, drowning him out. A lung-searing miasma of carbonized components filled the air, obscuring everything. Two meters tall, bipedal, flowing black robes trailing from the figure, and a face forever masked by a functional, if bizarre, black metal breath screen. A Dark Lord of the Sith was an awesome, threatening shape as it strode through the corridors of the rebel ship. Fear followed the footsteps of the Dark Lords. The cloud of evil which clung tight about this particular one was intense enough to cause hardened Imperial troops to back away menacing enough to set them muttering nervously amongst themselves. Once resolute rebel crew members ceased resisting, broke and ran in panic at the sight of the black armor, armor which, though black it was, was not nearly as dark as the thoughts drifting through the mind within. One purpose, one thought, one obsession dominated that mind now. It burned in the brain of Darth Vader, as he turned down another passageway in the broken fighter. 
There, smoke was beginning to clear, though the sounds of a faraway fighting still resounded through the hull. The battle here had ended and moved on. Only a robot was left to stir freely in the wake of the Dark Lord's passing. C-3PO finally stepped clear of the last restraining cable. Somewhere behind him, human screams could be heard from where relentless Imperial troops were mopping up the last remnants of rebel resistance. 3PO glanced down and saw only scarred deck. As he looked around, his voice was full of concern. R2-D2, where are you? The smoke seemed to part just a bit more. 3PO found himself staring up the passageway. R2-D2, it seemed, was there, but he wasn't looking in 3PO's direction. Instead, the little robot appeared frozen in an attitude of attention. Leaning over him was... It was difficult for even 3PO's electronic photoreceptors to penetrate the clinging, acidic smoke. A human figure. It was young, slim, and by abstruse human standards of aesthetics, 3PO mused, of a calm beauty. One small hand seemed to be moving over the front of R2's torso. 3PO started toward them as the haze thickened once more. But when he reached the end of the corridor, only R2 stood there, waiting. 3PO peered past him, uncertain. Robots were occasionally subject to electronic hallucinations. But why should he hallucinate a human? He shrugged. Then again, why not? especially when one considered the confusing circumstances of the past hour and the dose of raw current he had recently absorbed. He shouldn't be surprised at anything his concatenated internal circuits conjured up. Where have you been? 3PO finally asked. Hiding, I suppose. He decided not to mention the maybe human. If it had been a hallucination, he wasn't going to give R2 the satisfaction of knowing how badly recent events had unsettled his logic circuits. They'll be coming back this way, he went on, nodding down the corridor and not giving the small automaton a chance to reply. Looking for human survivors. What are we going to do now? They won't trust the word of rebel-owned machines that we don't know anything of value. We'll be sent to the spice mines of Kessel, or taken apart for spare components for other, less deserving robots. That's if they don't consider us potential program traps and blow us apart on sight. If we don't, but R2 was already turned and was ambling quickly back down the passageway. Wait, where are you going? Haven't you been listening to me? Uttering curses in several languages, some purely mechanical, 3PO raced fluidly after his friend. The R2 unit, he thought to himself, could be downright closed-circuited when it wanted to. Outside the Galactic Cruiser's control center, the corridor was crowded with sullen prisoners gathered by Imperial troops. Some lay wounded, some dying. Several officers had been separated from the enlisted ranks and stood in a small group by themselves bestowing belligerent looks and threats on the silent knot of troops holding them at bay. As if on command, everyone, 
Imperial troops as well as rebels became silent as a massive caped form came into view from behind a turn in the passage. Two of the heretofore resolute, obstinate rebel officers began to shake. Stopping before one of the men, the towering figure reached out wordlessly. A massive hand closed around the man's neck and lifted him off the deck. The rebel officer's eyes bulged, but he kept his silence. An imperial officer, his armored helmet shoved back to reveal a recent scar where an energy beam had penetrated his shielding, scrambled down out of the fighter's control room, shaking his head briskly. Nothing, sir. Information retrieval system's been wiped clean. Darth Vader acknowledged this news with a barely perceptible nod. The impenetrable mask turned to regard the officer he was torturing. Metal-clad fingers contracted. Reaching up, the prisoner desperately tried to pry them loose, but to no avail. Where is the data you intercepted? Vader rumbled dangerously. What have you done with the information tapes? We intercepted no information. The dangling officer gurgled, barely able to breathe. Somewhere from deep within, he dredged up a squeal of outrage. This is a counselor vessel. Did you not see our exterior markings? We're on a diplomatic mission. Chaos, take your mission, Vader growled. Where are those tapes? He squeezed harder the threat in his grip implicit. When he finally replied, the officer's voice was a bare, choked whisper. Only the commander knows. This ship carries the system crest of Alderaan, Vader growled, the gargoyle-like breath mask leaning close. Is any of the royal family on board? Who are you carrying? Thick fingers tightened further and the officer's struggles became more and more frantic. His last words were muffled and choked past intelligibility. Vader was not pleased. Even though the figure went limp with an awful, unquestionable finality, the hand continued to tighten, producing a chilling snapping and popping of bone like a dog padding on plastic. Then, with a disgusted wheeze, Vader finally threw the dull form of the dead man against a far wall. Several Imperial troops ducked out of the way just in time to avoid the grisly missile. The massive form whirled unexpectedly, and Imperial officers shrank under that baleful sculptured stare. Start tearing this ship apart piece by piece, component by component, until you find those tapes. As for the passengers, if any, I want them alive. He paused a moment, then added, Quickly! Officers and men nearly fell over themselves in their haste to leave, not necessarily to carry out Vader's orders, but simply to retreat from that malevolent presence. R2-D2 finally came to a halt in an empty corridor devoid of smoke and the signals of battle. A worried, confused 3PO pulled up behind him. You've led us through half the ship, and to what? He broke off, 
staring in disbelief as the squat robot reached up with a clawed limb and snapped the seal on a lifeboat hatch. Immediately, a red warning light came on and a low hooting sounded in the corridor. Threepio looked wildly in all directions, but the passageway remained empty. When he looked back, R2 was already working his way into the cramped boat pod. It was just large enough to hold several humans, and its design was not laid out to accommodate mechanicals. R2 had some trouble negotiating the awkward little compartment. Hey! A startled Threepio called, admonishing, You're not permitted in there. It's restricted to humans only. We just might be able to convince the Imperials that we're not rebel-programmed and are too valuable to break up. But if someone sees you in there, we haven't got a chance. Come on out. Somehow, R2 had succeeded in wedging his body into position in front of the miniature control board. He cocked his body slightly and threw a stream of loud beeps and whistles at his reluctant companion. 3PO listened. He couldn't frown, but he managed to give a good impression of doing so. Mission? What mission? What are you talking about? You sound like you haven't got an integrated logic terminal left in your brain. No, no more adventures. I'll take my chances with the Imperials. And I'm not getting in there. An angry electronic twang came from the R2 unit. Don't call me a mindless philosopher, 3PO snapped back. You overweight, unstreamlined glob of grease. 3PO was concocting an additional rejoinder when an explosion blew out the back wall of the corridor. Dust and metal debris whooshed through the narrow passageway, followed instantly by a series of secondary explosions. Flames began jumping hungrily from the exposed interior wall, reflecting off 3PO's isolated patches of polished skin, muttering the electronic equivalent of consigning his soul to the unknown, the lanky robot jumped into the life pod. I'm going to regret this, he muttered more audibly as R2 activated the safety door behind him. The smaller robot flipped a series of switches, snapped back a cover, and pressed three buttons in a certain sequence. With a thunder of explosive latches, the life pod ejected from the crippled fighter. When word came over the communicators that the last pocket of resistance on the rebel ship had been cleaned out, the captain of the Imperial cruiser relaxed considerably. He was listening with pleasure to the proceedings on the captured vessel when one of his gunnery officers called to him. Moving to the man's position, the captain stared into the circular view screen and saw a tiny dot dropping away toward the fiery world below. There goes another pod, sir. Instructions? The officer's hand hovered over a computerized energy battery. Casually, confident in the firepower and total control under his command, the captain studied the nearby readouts monitoring the pod. All of them read blank. Hold your fire, Lieutenant Heja. Instruments show no life forms aboard. The pod's release mechanism must have short-circuited or received a false instruction. Don't waste your power. He turned away to listen with satisfaction to the reports of captured men and material coming from the rebel ship. 
glare from exploding panels and erupting circuitry reflected crazily off the armor of the lead stormtrooper as he surveyed the passageway ahead. He was about to turn and call for those behind to follow him forward when he noticed something moving off to one side. It appeared to be crouching back in a small dark alcove. Holding his pistol ready, he moved cautiously forward and peered into the recess. A small, shivering figure clad in flowing white hugged the back of the recess and stared up at the man. Now he could see that he faced a young woman, and her physical description fit that of the one individual the Dark Lord was most interested in. The trooper grinned behind his helmet. A lucky encounter for him. He would be commended. Within the armor, his head turned slightly, directing his voice to the tiny condenser microphone. Here she is, he called to those behind him. Set the stun for... He never finished the sentence, just as he would never receive the hoped-for commendation. Once his attention turned from the girl to his communicator, her shivering vanished with startling speed. The energy pistol she had held out of sight behind her came up and around as she burst from her hiding place. The trooper, who had been unlucky enough to find her, fell first, his head a mass of melted bone and metal. The same fate met the second armored form coming up fast behind him. Then a bright green energy pole touched the woman's side, and she slumped instantly to the deck, the pistol still locked in her small palm. Metal-encased shapes clustered around her. One whose arm bore the insignia of a lower officer knelt and turned her over. He studied the paralyzed form with a practiced eye. She'll be all right, he finally declared, looking up at his subordinates. Report to Lord Vader. Threepio stared, mesmerized, out the small viewport set in the front of the tiny escape pod as the hot yellow eye of Tatooine began to swallow them up. Somewhere behind them, he knew, the crippled fighter and the Imperial cruiser were receding to imperceptibility. That was fine with him. If they landed near a civilized city, he would seek elegant employment in a halcyon atmosphere, something more befitting his status and training. These past months had gifted him with entirely too much excitement and unpredictability for a mere machine. R2's seemingly random manipulation of the pod controls promised anything but a smooth landing, however. Threepio regarded his squat companion with concern. Are you sure you know how to pilot this thing? R2 replied with a noncommittal whistle that did nothing to alter the taller robot's jangled state of mind.